And welcome into the damn podcast on this Friday afternoon, the 1st of July. It is a busy, busy day on the Oregon State news front. It's been a crazy last 24 to 36 hours. Uh, and I'm here with, as always, Angie Machado, publisher of BeaverBlitz.com, who has been as busy as I have been over the last hour or so with the reaction to Kelsey Howard's commitment to Oregon State, the four-star defensive end from Las Vegas. We're here for an emergency episode of the Damn Podcast. We're going to react to Kelsey Howard's commitment. We're going to talk about the big news that broke yesterday in the Pac-12 with USC, UCLA leaving for the Big Ten, questions about the future of the Pac-12. We'll get to that later, but Angie, right off the bat here, I want to start with the commitment from Kelsey Howard uh, went live on CBS Sports HQ about 45 minutes ago here as we record this at, at three o'clock. Angie, first of all, how are you holding up after these, you know, crazy last few days? And uh, and what's your initial reaction to, to Howard's commitment? Well, yeah, I, I woke up today. It was I kind of felt like it was a bad dream, but it's not. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But Kelsey Howard, huge. I, I can't even begin to tell you what a big commitment this is for Oregon State. I just actually popped up on the website, um, kind of a breakdown since 2000 of where he lands. He is the top rated defensive commit that Oregon State has had since 2000. Uh, probably the highest ranked commit in the past decade, close to decade. Um, since 2009. Is, I, I ran 2000, the numbers. Okay, perfect, perfect. Um, so huge. I mean, this is is huge for, for Coach Smith. This has been a tough one for me to keep quiet because um, – I got wind of this uh, the Sunday of his official visit that this happened. And I think I did call you Carter, like yeah. immediately, like in my car. And uh, the buzz was huge. Um, I think originally he had planned to go and do this on another um, sports network and great, great relationship with 24 seven, Greg Biggins. And um, we were able to get him slotted on today. Um, and just a huge, huge announcement for Oregon state. And, and what a, I mean, Talk about juice. Those that whole Kelsey Howard family that they they've got uh, that was pretty fun to watch. Just their excitement. Yeah, that was cool. When when Angie called me, I'll, I'll take you behind the scenes here for a second. When Angie called me a, a couple of weeks ago with this news, I said, "All right, Angie, your job right now is to get Kelsey Howard's commitment on CBS Sports HQ on the 24-7 Sports Network um, because that I mean he's he's probably I, I think you and I would say." maybe the most important recruit in Oregon state history, just in terms of what he brings at a position of need and at a time right now where there's so much uncertainty about uncertainty about Oregon state's future. Um, he's not the highest rated commit in Oregon state history. He checks in at number eight on the 24 seven sports composite. Um, but I think as far as, you know, position of need goes, that's right up there with the most important. So it was really cool to see him do it on our network yeah. Uh, after, you know, after originally planning on doing it, as you said, elsewhere. Yeah, um, no, it was a, and, and like you said, I think what makes this commitment even bigger, I mean, you guys, I have been on this pod. I've been on in Beaver Blitz. Carter, we've, we've talked about it. Oregon State, we've ha harped and harped on the fact that Oregon State needs to recruit better on the defensive line. And so to get a guy um, that the, is this physical, um, this quick off the ball, it, it's huge. And, you know, listening to Kelsey, talk on CBS sports HQ with 24 seven talking about how he, you know, a just wants to get better. And he, his goal now is to be the number one ranked recruit in the country. So um, big, big news. And, and I'll, I'll just kind of let this out right now. Oregon state isn't done with, with commitments. So it is going to be a busy few days. I, I know of one for sure on Sunday. I know for one for sure on Monday, the fourth um, we're also expecting um another look at that another, angie's phone's blowing up i know my phone's blowing up um <laughs> so no it's um it's a busy busy time right now and it, it's just too bad that this pac-12 news now is kind of overshadowing oregon state really making some some noise on the recruiting front but um i expect this to have ripple effects um just as far as helping to bring other recruits in um it has been a very very good june for oregon state as far as the official visits like i said so i know of I, I, it's, it's just kind of gotten convoluted. So there were two, I know two commitments from this past weekend's official visits, a couple more previously that have not announced. I am expecting with Kelsey Howard, um, another four to five 
um, announcements here in the next week or so. Heard it here first. Uh, Oregon State just getting started. Uh, Angie, I, you're getting calls. I, I'm getting texts and everything. So this is very much a, a makeshift podcast here. There's no rundown. We're just we're just kind of reacting to it. Um, Lots of comments. I, I love seeing the comments. Yeah, threw one up there. Um, we have a ton of comments coming in about the the Big 12, Pac-12 merger idea, uh, Oregon State's standing in the Pac-12 after all of this. We're going to get to that later on. Um, but Angie, the the instant impact that Kelsey Howard can have, I think on the uh, on the announcement live, Greg Biggins mentioned that he will be an early graduate. So he will graduate from high school um, in about six months or so, and then enroll early at Oregon State and get here about nine months from now. Uh, is, yes. is that what you're hearing as well? That's what I've heard too. And, and Biggins would know, um, like I said, very close to the family. Um, so, you know, that puts him as a January enrollee, which is it's huge because he's already, I mean, if you saw him and you've seen video of him, he's already way bigger than, you know, I mean, I look at him, I, I have a, a, a son that's the same exact age as Kelsey Howard. And I look, even my younger son was like, whoa, that, that kid's Luke's age. So um, he's big, he's physical, he's ready to go. And, and a four sport athlete. I don't know if you guys caught all that on the, on the CBS uh, HQ, but he is a wrestler. He plays, he runs track and also plays basketball. So um, big time, big time commit. I'm just responding quick to a text here. So I'll handle, um, I'll, uh, I'll handle this for you. So Kelsey, I, I think comes in as a guy who, like Greg Biggins said on the broadcast, could make an impact right away. You know, Biggins said he's at the very least on the two deep. Uh, that's, I mean, that's exactly how I see it too. I mean, we're talking about guys coming in right now in, in 2022, making an instant impact like Dylan Lopez on the offensive line, you know, landing on that two deep. Um, I, I think Howard, you know, is very much of that mold. And obviously he's a higher rated recruit than some of those guys, Damian Martinez, uh, Dylan Lopez, guys who we have, we have talked about over the last few weeks. So, I mean, if we're talking about those guys making an impact, you know, potentially starting or serving as a backup right away, a four-star defensive end, you know, it certainly has to be in the conversation as well. Absolutely. I mean, I, I just, I see his size. And then, you know, if he is in Corvallis by January of 2023, that gives him a whole six to eight months jump on anybody else in that class that, that comes in in August. So, or in July. So he'll have a, a seven month lead time as far as lifting um, on the training tables, everything that goes along with being part of the team. So um, it is a huge, huge advantage if he is in fact able to enroll early. Yeah. So looking at the, uh, the list of, you know, where this ranks in Oregon state history, I'm going to pull this up here in another tab. Uh, Cause I had, Oh shoot. I just closed it um, off the top of my head. Isaac Sayamalu. Checks He's number in. one. Derek as, as Anderson, two. I'm going to pull it up here because I have it right here. Um, so I actually, um, I have Kelsey Howard at 10 because I did take out um, Simi Cooley. Okay, Simi fair. Cooley was yeah. in the mix, but um, I, I just don't think it's fair that Simi Cooley, who never even made it on campus, should be on the list. So um, Kelsey Howard is at seven. But when you yeah. look at the list here, I mean, you're looking at, um, all right, they're it, yeah. all offensive players. So, um, yeah. yeah, Isaac Samalo, Derek Anderson, Stephen Jackson, Michael Phillip, O-lineman, uh, Ruben Jackson, wide receiver, Brandon Lockhart, offensive tackle, and then yeah. Kelsey and, and Michael Phillip committing in, in the class of 2009 is the most recent uh, on this list. So on the list, Kelsey Howard checks in as the highest rated commitment to Oregon State since Michael Phillip. Uh, on the offensive line in 2009. Before that, Simi Cooley, as you mentioned, that was in 08. Um, but if you throw him out as as a guy who never landed, before that, you have to go all the way back to 2002. No, 2005 with Ruben Jackson. So I mean, we're talking about we're talking mid Mike Riley era here as the last time Oregon State landed somebody of this caliber. But to your point, Angie, all of those being on the offensive side. Yeah. Uh, you know, a handful of them at that offensive line, a wide receiver, a quarterback. Um, those are all obviously very impactful positions. You need to have depth at, especially at quarterback and receiver, obviously. Um, but I, I think defensive line at a school like Oregon State in this conference, you know, in, in this recruiting landscape, 
it is pretty much immeasurable how important it is to get somebody of this caliber at a position of, of that great need. And especially, you know, I, I think you know, we, we would be talking about it being a little bit bigger if he was a defensive tackle, but I think defensive end for Oregon state is important because the pass rush hasn't been there. Recently. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you, Oregon state, they've needed to help both and tackle and, and uh, you know, a pass rusher defensive end, but I see Kelsey Howard is a guy too. You watch his film. He could go inside. He could pop inside if need be. But I, I just see the disruption that he he should be able to cause is going to be huge for Oregon State um, and just a huge, huge get for for Coach Smith, for Leggy, uh, for that whole op, or you know defensive staff, Trent Bray. Um, just a very big day. And I, I hope they're celebrating in the Valley Center because um, this is this is a big feather in their cap, and like I said, there and and the backstory on this too is super interesting. If if our listeners ha- aren't super familiar, and if you're not in on Blitz all the time, which I will put a plug in right now, because if you're not a member of Blitz, be a mem- get up get to be a member now, because we are offering two months for one dollar, super great deal. Um, it'll get you all of July and August, which is fall camp, and you don't want to miss that. But there's a lot coming up here down the pike or down the pipe with uh, just recruiting. Like I mentioned, there's at least five guys I know of right now that uh, should be committing here in the next week or so. So definitely this is the time to do that. $1 gets you two months. Um, so that's my quick plug, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just going to be a, an important, important time for, for Oregon state. Um, not even to mention what's going on with, with the PAC 12 right now. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the guys who are, you know, lining up to commit here. That's in addition to a June in which Oregon State landed. What, what did it end up being, about eight or nine guys? Yeah, there's what other – I mean, the headliner to begin with, in my opinion, was was really Aiden Childs, the yeah. quarterback. Huge piece to that puzzle. I love what Aiden brings. Oh, but I was going to give a little backstory on on Kelsey. So Kelsey Howard had taken an unofficial trip to USC – he had been to Utah. Um, he'd been to several places, had not visited Oregon State, had not visited Oregon yet, was set to visit. So he had his official visits planned out. He'd went to Arizona. He was going to go to Utah, Nebraska, and Oregon and USC. The weekend he was supposed to go to Oregon, Oregon called him. Coach Lanning called him and said, hey, we, we can't let you come up if you haven't taken an unofficial visit. That's our, our policy. Crazy, crazy is, stuff. So they already had him set up. So this was like two days before he was supposed to fly up to Eugene. Oregon State finds out about it, calls him up and says, hey, come up to Corvallis instead. So basically you have a guy that's barely, like not even considering Oregon State. They get him to flip his trip over when, you know, when he wasn't going to Oregon, flip his trip to Oregon State. And after that trip, he canceled his official visit to Nebraska and Utah and committed to Oregon State on his trip huge i mean that that right there if there you had any concern about how coach smith or or his staff recruit that right there should alleviate a ton of your questions 100 percent. and to answer the question that i just posed here oregon state had seven commitments in the 23 class before kelsey howard so howard checks in at number eight as we open the month of july here um just all sorts of momentum obviously you mentioned aiden childs committing as uh, a high three-star quarterback who I think we both expect to be a four-star by the time he gets to Corvallis. Um, a couple of tight ends in Cooper Jensen and Dorian Thomas are on the list. Jacob Anderson just committed the other day uh, on the offensive line. Zakaya Saez at edge, David Wells at receiver, and Zachary Card also at receiver. So that is uh, how the the commitment sheet lines up right now. But to your point, Angie, about the the staff and I think silencing some of the questions about you know the the recruiting ability of this staff. How big of a pickup is this for Coach Leggy Suyanoa on the defensive line? Who I I think you know Oregon State fans and probably rightfully so were very concerned about his recruiting ability. Um, obviously, a, the weakest position on on the team for the last five years and um, no real influx of talent there until today. Coach Leggy landing, you know, the biggest recruit Jonathan Smith has brought in. Um, just what's what's the impact of that, do you think, for for the coaching staff and and maybe their their reputation on the recruiting trail? I think it's huge. I mean, I I think if if you were to ask me if any coach was on a hot seat this this season, I would have I would have said Coach Suyanoa. Yeah. Um, and I just, think I think that's reflected in 
the report that just came from Nick Daschle at, at the Oregonian last week about the assistant, uh, the assistant coach salary pool increasing and, you know, the raises that are going around coach Leggy was, was very low on that list of, you know, salaries and raises and whatnot. Um, I, I think this was to your point there, uh, a make or break year for Leggy. And this is a, a great way to get it started. Exactly. But, and, and, and he's not done. I, I will say that, um, couple big time recruits have been in campus. I do expect another, at least one um, commit from one of the visitors that were on campus um, this in the month of June and um, still in the running with CJ fight the D tackle. So um, out of Texas. So that is one I'm watching super close. Um, I think fight is committing the end of July is his plan. July um, 30th, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. The 30, 30th or 31st. So um, one I'm definitely watching there. Um, but yeah, I don't think Coach Sui Anoa is done yet. Um, and I think there should be some more good news on the horizon for that Beaver's defensive front. Which is big, too, because until this point, you know, I, I ran down the list there of the the seven, now eight commitments to Oregon State in this recruiting cycle. All but one of those was on the defensive side until today. So I think, okay. you know, you saw the offensive momentum really, really churning there for a few days and, and a few weeks. Now you're starting to see that shift to the defensive side. A lot of names are starting to come up on that side, obviously, with Howard as well. Um, Howard becomes the headliner of this class, who, as we just mentioned, it it was Aiden Childs. Um, But let's talk about Childs for a second here. I I know that, you know, getting a quarterback to commit early and and getting somebody vocal on social media early is, is big. Did Aiden Childs, had you seen him out there actively recruiting Howard? Cause I know I've, I've seen him kind of, you know, in, in players replies and, and quote tweets saying, Hey, come join us. We're building something. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and so not only are the, is, is, has he been very active on social media, but the players or the commits have their own text string and mm-hmm. uh, he's been very active in that as well. So, um, you know, they, they talk to each other. Um, I've talked to a couple soon to be commits um, have stories ready to go and, and that was one of the things I've mentioned. It was Aiden Childs is one that's been very active texting them. And um, I, so whereas Kelsey Howard might be the headliner of the class, I love what I'm seeing from a leadership standpoint from the Beavers future quarterback and that he's really taking an active role in, in getting some of these guys. I expect another wide out here in the next week or so um, who has been very active talking with Childs. And um, yeah, it, it, it should be a really exciting time i think if you're if you're an oregon state fan um to pick up and and this class is shaping up right now to be one of the best in jonathan smith's or the best in coach smith's tenure yeah i mean without without a doubt you look at the the list here of guys who have already committed and obviously kelsey howard checks in on the the 24 7 sports composite at just above a a 0.91 which is a a lock to be a four-star aiden childs at 875 right now i think we see him uh, boost up as you know the high school season approaches and, and continues uh, and a couple of tight ends at the 8586 and offensive lineman at 85 the point being here is the top of Oregon State's commitment list rating wise has looked a lot different over the last probably two years uh, than it did in the first two years of Jonathan Smith's era you're seeing a lot more high-end talent come in um, and, and I think the floor is raised as well you know before there was, you know, some some fringy guys who, you know, weren't even getting ratings, uh, who were committing to Oregon State, and I think a lot of people were were concerned about the, you know, the talent level that was coming in. Now it's it's totally flipped. You're seeing the complete opposite. It's it's the four stars. It's the the very high three stars who are committing committing early, and uh, and getting vocal on social media. Also to the the peer recruiting element. Obviously, having Aiden Childs out there, you know, your future quarterback, um, you know, recruiting and, and telling guys to come join him. How much of a difference do you think does it make to have a four star guy also doing that? Because I would imagine Howard will probably join in. And, you know, all, all of these guys um, are, are very vocal once they commit. You know, we, we see a, I think especially so at Oregon State, it's, you know, the family atmosphere they build. Yeah. Um, they're all very much coordinated in, in you know, helping build the class. Do you think, you know, the profile of of Kelsey Howard coming in here and, you know, having him in the text group, do you think that oh, kind of uh, yeah. kind of elevates the the potential talent Oregon State could see commit down the road? Exactly. It, uh, completely. A hundred percent. And that peer recruiting is something Oregon State's going to have to rely on. They don't have, you know, the NIL money or. 
some of the, the things that the bells and whistles that some of the other programs have, but they, they're starting to get some street cred, you know, with, with some of the top guys. And, and that's going to go a long way. Um, you know, Kelsey Howard, I think he said on his announcement that, you know, go to Oregon State, he loved the fact that he could come in and, and contribute early. He liked the family atmosphere. And, and I think it was one of those things that he, I don't think he saw himself committing when he, when he took the trip. It was more like, okay, I'll give Oregon State a, a visit. You know, this other one fell through with Oregon. So, and then I think he was blown away. Him and his family were blown away by just the family atmosphere, the team, the players. You know, this is a, a tight-knit group of, of players, too. So um, it's kind of an all, all-encompassing. all And I don't think you can just tip your hat to one reason why he committed. It was, it was several reasons. But I agree. I think him, Aiden Childs, I mean, you have some vocal guys that are, are not going to be afraid to jump in and say, hey, let's, let's go build this thing. Going back to the point of, of Howard committing on CBS Sports HQ, you know, a live commitment, streaming service, you know, available for everyone out there to watch. Um, in the past, you know, in, in the recent past, these commitments have not gone Oregon State's way. As, you know, especially you look at Braden Dorman a couple of months ago. He went on CBS Sports HQ 24-7 Sports and, uh, and committed to Arizona when... Kelsey Howard first, you know, announced that he was going to do this live on CBS. I know that a lot of Oregon State fans were a little nervous saying, hey, you know, the, the track record here isn't great for us. But now that it's happened, now that Oregon State has put its name out there uh, with a, a commitment of this caliber, do you think that, uh, what do you think that exposure does for the program? Oh, I think it's big. Um, you know, I, I, I feel a little bad just because once it came out with kind of his top five, you had fans from other other places saying, well, he's not coming here and he's not going to, that means it's going to be Oregon state. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that kind of maybe not watered it down, but um, no, I think, I think it's important to get it, it's great exposure for Oregon state. I mean, this is a, one of the top commits and I actually thought it went really well. I thought it was a good 15 minute segment. They had Greg Biggins on talking about him um, and just what he meant to Oregon state as a commitment. They had him, they spoke to him very well-spoken young man, um, his family was hyped in the background. His dad kept shaking beaver stuff. And I mean, it was, was awesome. it was fun. It was, uh, it was fun to watch. And um, somebody even mentioned, then the interviewer even mentioned that maybe he needed to sign an NIL deal with some sunglass company because he always wears his sunglasses. <laughs> but um, Vegas, a little, a little Vegas, Vegas swag coming to Corvallis is never a bad thing. Um, Oregon State has, you know, some, some Florida coming. So um, Texas. Oregon State's getting, you know, some of the the hotbed recruiting areas, and I think that's just going to help them down the road. Yeah, a lot of talent comes out of the Vegas area. I think, you know, it's a, a city that goes overlooked oftentimes in football, but, you know, we have seen a lot of high-level talent come out of Vegas, and um, I, I think for Oregon State to, you know, plant its feet there and, and make some connections, it's big. Uh, but also, as you just mentioned, Florida and Texas have been big in the last two years. Um you, you look at some of the the guys who have come over from IMG Academy, obviously yeah. one of the premier college or, um, high school football programs in the country, uh, Duncanville, Texas, a couple of guys coming over, Quincy, Quincy Wright and obviously Zariah Beeson a couple of years ago. Uh, Oregon State's making connections and, and reaping the rewards in a couple of states that are, you know, probably the, I would say Texas and Florida are probably two of the top three states as far as recruiting goes, you know, obviously California there as well. Um, but to go outside of your traditional footprint and to get guys from those states, um, I, I would throw Vegas in there too as a, as a really important uh, connection to build. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and Oregon State's kind of gotten away from recruiting Hawaii, and that was kind yeah. of one of their hotbeds for years. Um, we've seen them move away from that. I, I'm torn on that because I think Oregon State got some really, really good players from the islands. The The biggest struggle with the islands when you recruit Hawaii is the whole academic side. And, and a lot of those guys struggle to qualify. Um, so that has been, you know, that might be a good reason, but just kind of turn, move away from it a little bit. But um, Vegas, like you said, I mean, Texas, Florida, there's so much talent down, down there that, you know, like a, a three-star in, in Texas or Florida could easily be a four or five here in, in Oregon, just because there's so much talent. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's huge to make those connections. Angie, I want to, you know, we're, we're coming up on the, the half hour mark here. So I, we do need to switch gears. We could talk about Kelsey Howard all day just because this is 
huge for Oregon State. But yeah, but now we have to talk about the bad. Right. We have this this dichotomy here over the last 36 hours where you have groundbreaking, I, I would say overall very bad news for Oregon State yesterday with the exodus of USC and UCLA from the Pac-12. Uh, you flip it today and, and you get one of the biggest commitments in school history. So we've talked about the good. We're going to talk about the bad here in just a second. Angie, right after you plug the deal at Beaver Blitz right now. Two months for $1. It is like the no brainer of the century. Um, you will get all I, I've teased all these are these commits that are on their way um, in the month of July. Definitely get on board. Now, now we have this whole talk about PAC 12, what's going to happen. And then it leads right into all of our coverage, preseason coverage. Carter's working his tail off to, you know, do the previews, the top players. And then we roll right in to August fall camp. I can't even believe that I'm saying that. But um, August fall camp is probably my favorite time of year. It is my favorite time of year. But everything we do in August is going to be behind the paywall. So if you want to read all the practice reports, who's playing, who's not, who looks good, you'll definitely want to be a member. And I'd rather have you get in two months for a dollar than wait and pay full price and pay $100 for the year. So jump on now. It only lasts through the 4th of July weekend. So two months for $1. Don't miss it. It's you know, don't come crying when you guys want want to read the uh, the, the practice reports. Now let's talk some Pac-12. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the best deal you're going to find at Beaver Blitz for a couple of months here. So get in now, get in early before fall camp, and as part of that, you'll get to join the conversation about this next topic here uh, with USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. Uh, this was the story of of college football, I, I think, of the year so far. It broke yesterday morning. Shout out to John Wilner uh, down in down in the Bay Area breaking this story. I will just say, so one of our our longtime Beaver Blitz members, OOMC, for those of you who know, because you all know and love his post. I ran to Costco because I'm going to do some Fourth of July thing here at my house. I'm trying to get through Costco. He sends me that that tweet from Wilner, like it shook me. Like to the point, I mean, I, I just had to leave and I got out of there without getting my toilet paper and paper towels. So anybody in the Sherwood Wilsonville area, if you can get me my toilet paper and paper towels, that'd be awesome because I forgot. I got all the way to check out and was like, dang it. But I had to get home. It If it would have come from anyone else, Carter, I would have probably blown it off. But when John Wilner says it, you kind of have yeah. to listen. Yeah. I um. So how the news broke for or how, how I first, you know, got wind of this was. I woke up yesterday morning getting ready to move out of my house in, in Corvallis, you know, I'm packing stuff up, getting ready to load stuff in a U-Haul and I'm eating breakfast. And I'm, I'm on blitz. Cause I knew that, you know, the morning was going to be my only chance to get on and, you know, prep a couple of things for the day and, you know, read what people were saying and whatnot. And I see this thread pop up that says USC and UCLA to the big 10. And I thought, okay, so this is somebody's, <laughs> probably somebody's theory about, you know, what this could look like. And then another thread showed up about a minute later. And so I clicked on it. And sure enough, it was a John Wilner tweet saying that, you know, this is effectively all, all but done. And that threw a wrench in my entire day. You know, I, here I am packing stuff up. Um, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, wow, the, the college athletics landscape, I think, has just changed just like that. Um, I, I think this is a monumental move in college athletics history, specifically on the football and men's basketball side. Um, there are tons of comments in the YouTube chat right now. Shout out yeah. to everyone watching us live on YouTube as we go live here on, on very short notice. We have broken our record for concurrent viewers right now. Yes. So um, shout out to everyone who is who is following along and especially to those who are commenting here. So I do I do want to touch on some of these comments, some of I mean, these suggestions, recommendations. Chantry Star, what's the best case and what's the worst case scenario? I, I think we I think we jump right there because yep. there's not a lot of I mean, I've been running through ideas and we we have a ton of ideas here. We have a ton of ideas on Blitz, but Carter, what is in your opinion, what's the best? Okay, so I went on Twitter last night. This is after, you know, I was done for the day and finally got a chance to kind of collect my thoughts. And I came up with three options for Oregon State in the Pac-12. Obviously, I think, you know, to kind of set the stage here, I, I think we all recognize that this is very bad for Oregon State. It's very bad for the Pac-12 because as things currently stand, you know, two years from now, when we go from the Pac-12 to the Pac-10 again, 
that product is is not going to be valuable enough for media rights deals. It's not going to be valuable enough for um, you know potentially adding uh, new conference members down the road. Like the Pac-12 needs to get ahead of this now, and Oregon State does too, and and vouch for itself. So let's talk about things that we want to see here in, in the immediate future. You know, everything needs to happen within the next two years because you have to have a plan in place when this goes final in 2024. So the three scenarios that I came up with yesterday were one, the PAC 12 and big 12 effectively merging and becoming one super conference. I want to touch on that because I think in that, in my mind, that is the best, best case scenario for both Oregon state, the PAC 12, and honestly, the, the Big 12, as far as so would, you know, the longevity you like, of the conferences like, go. Like the Pac-10 be like the Big 12 West and the right. Big 12 East kind of thing? Is that what, what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah. Because I think when you look at the Big 10 and the SEC right now, you know, they're approaching 20 teams each. They're getting yeah. close. And I think they eventually will reach that. Um, this idea of super conferences has been, you know, thrown around for really the last year since Texas and Oklahoma left for the SEC, announced their departure. Um, and I think we are eventually going to reach that point. This move by USC and UCLA only just cements, you know, I, I think the inevitable of super conferences. And if you see the Pac-12 and Big 12 combine, merge, you know, you've got a 20-team conference right there that's ready to compete. It's not going to have the same caliber of programs as those other two, you know, you're going to rely on Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas, and basketball to compete with the Alabamas, the Ohio States of the world. Right, you know, in the in the short term, that doesn't look feasible. But I think in a super conference landscape, you know, maybe that new Western conference can, um, you know, can build some credibility. But I think the big thing is when we talk about these other options, the, the two that come to mind outside of that super conference being the Pac-12, just looking to add a couple of more schools, you know, retaining the 10 that are that are going to be here in 24 and adding a couple to the mix or Oregon State moving to the Mountain West with like maybe a Washington State. Um, I think media rights has to has to play a big role in this. And I think the most attractive option for the Pac-12, the Big 12 and all of their member institutions is to come together and create this very attractive uh, product for a media company. Yeah, I agree. I, the worst thing that could happen, I think, is your last scenario where Washington State and Oregon, and Oregon State are relegated to a Mountain West because you look at that media rights and they're making like four to five million a year. That doesn't even cover Oregon State's football coaching salary. Yeah. So I mean, um, that's that's about Jonathan that, Smith's salary alone yeah, right there. Yeah. So you're looking that would that would may mean Oregon state and all its sports then would become stepping stones um, mm -hmm. for all of the great coaches um, that they have. So I agree. I think the best case scenario right now would be for a, a super conference with the big 12. Um, and I, and I think that's more feasible too, from a, you know, I, I look at USC and UCLA moving to the big 10 and frankly, I think it's stupid. Honestly, so your USC and your UCLA hasn't been relevant in football forever. I mean, they're doing this strictly for money. That that is completely it. Um, but your USC and you you're like you like to throw the ball, and yet you're going to be going to Penn State or or Michigan in November, where it could be snowing. And then how about some of your other sports that maybe don't fly or charters? They're they're going to be flying. It's it's basically like Hawaii. You're going to be flying across the country, maybe a couple times a month. It's just, to me, this was a money grab. And I, I don't see USC or UC, I, I see UCLA really kind of floundering in this, but um, USC, but, it, but it was all done for the LA TV market. That was the yeah. whole, whole reason. hundred percent. And I think that's what Stephen D is touching on here in this comment. Um, you know, it's, it's not about the PAC 12, just adding a Boise state or a Fresno state. Um, you know, to, you know, to, to level the competitive playing field or whatnot. No, this is, this is, it does come down to TV money. That's why USC and UCLA left because they're going to make 50 to a hundred million dollars in the big 10. Whereas the PAC 12 still operates the PAC 12 network in house, doesn't auction off its, its media rights. Um, and you're stuck I mean, there for, for two more years in, in that, uh, in that 
deal that Larry Scott cut. I mean, that, uh, this all goes ago. back to Larry Scott. I wish yeah. someone could, you know, look at, uh, yeah, because he's rode off into the sunset with his $50 million. And, but in a lot of ways, Oregon State, you know, Ed Ray, um, the presidents that let this happen, they're just as much to blame. And, you know, I love, I love the history of the Pac-12. I love the, the whole academics, but that is such an archaic way of thinking right now with the landscape of college football and the way it's changed so much, you know, Pac-12 presidents want to hold, you know, hang their hat on the fact that we are, you know, this level of a research institution and this kind of academic excellence in this day and age, that's not, that's not what's, what's paying the bills. And that's not what the TV, you know, it's not like ESPN and Fox sports are saying, okay, but what is your academic prowess? Right. They don't care. They, they want market TV markets and they want, um, you know, a good product. And quite frankly, that's something Oregon state and Washington state don't have. They don't have a market. Oregon wouldn't have a market if it wasn't for um, the Nike connection slash the last 15, 20 years. Um, of relevance, yeah, I would argue Cal isn't, except for the Bay Area market, but Cal fans aren't exactly, um, you know. And same with Stanford. And Stanford, yeah. I mean, that San Francisco market is big, but it's not going to bring you anything. Um, The only thing Arizona has, the Tucson market's not big, but you have basketball going for you. Mm -hmm. And I think um, to to touch on this comment here from Chantry Starr, at the, the the idea of adding Gonzaga, North Dakota State, San Diego State, and Boise State to the Pac-12, which would make it then at that point a Pac-14, assuming everybody else stays, competitively, yes, that's great. Gonzaga for basketball is a huge addition. I think that should happen regardless of what happens. I, I think you need to see Gonzaga move up to a power conference for basketball because that's going to raise the profile um, of whatever conference it joins when media rights negoti- negotiations come up. Um, San Diego State, I think is big for uh, market size. You know, the, the fan base isn't large, but San Diego is a pretty good sized market and I think would add something to the table um, for a, for a pack 12, for a big 12, for a, a big pack, you know, whatever that merged conference could be. Um, but w- there's, there's two things that haven't really been thrown out here that I want to touch on the first of those being, so what if, and and this is a, an idea that one of my friends brought up to me yesterday. What if the Pac-12 North is able to cut a deal with the Big Ten? You know, the Big Ten, I think, down the road, Oregon and Washington, as of this morning, have been denied entrance. But I, I don't think they're out of the mix long term. Could Oregon and Washington move over, over to the Big Ten? And as a result, Oregon State and Washington State kind of riding their coattails a little bit and getting in. And then could you see the Pac-12 South join the Big 12? or the SEC. Um, That's a theory that I don't think has been thrown out. And obviously, I think for for various good reasons, as you mentioned, Oregon State, Washington State don't bring much to the Big 12. Um, But I think in a potential two super conference era with the Big 12 and SEC, you could see that. Yeah, I I don't see I don't see any attractiveness, though. I, I right now, I think it's everybody for themselves. And mm-hmm. I think uh, Oregon and Washington are going to be throwing Oregon State and Washington State under the bus. They don't care. Um, they'll play up the fact that they are natural rivals, that they should be the ones going. Um, I did see John Canzano says that some Washington and Oregon legislatures are trying to basically make them package deals. I I don't see how that can even hold up. I. The only thing that I've heard to this, see, this is all the speculation, is that if USC and UCLA wouldn't want Oregon and Washington in, you know, trying to come in and, and take Southern California prospects. Um, to the only problem with them. that is UCLA and USC would not have voting rights in the big 10 until 24. But um, being current I, members of the PAC 12 current members, but if it affected past, I think they might. Right. So, you know, if you're talking 2024, then they might have a very big and then they might have negotiated that if they were smart they negotiated that yeah they there could be a contingency you know in in their agreement saying hey we're only going to do this if you exclude oregon and washington who we we cannot compete with recruiting wise um or obviously they can compete with them but they don't want to compete with them is, is what i'm trying to say there uh the other thing and and this is one that that i this i keep coming back to this idea and 
I really haven't seen it talked about much on on Twitter and you know here at Beaver Blitz and everywhere these conversations have been going around. But I think CBS could be a huge player in the future of West Coast college football, and here's why. The SEC obviously has a huge deal with CBS right now. Their game of the week has been on CBS for years. Um, that's really the only game CBS shows on its flagship station. It has the CBS Sports Network, um, and, and that's where the Mountain West media media deal is. Oregon State's played on CBS Sports Network in the past. I think with this CBS SEC deal expiring at the end of 2013, I think it is. Mm -hmm. CBS is hungry for college sports. You know, obviously Beaver Blitz is, you know, affiliated with CBS Sports, 24-7 Sports. There is a huge college sports market that flocks to CBS for news and for, you know, live streaming and and everything. I I think CBS wants to get into uh, a a media rights deal. Mm -hmm. How attractive would the Pac-12 be alone for cbs how attractive would a pac-12 big 12 merger be for cbs i think that has to be a uh, i think that has to be in the back of of george klyovkov's mind of the ceo uh the ceo group's mind is you know how can we position ourselves attractively for not only espn and and fox who already own effectively two conferences but but a third player who i think is I, I think is ready to uh, to enter the mix. I actually thought of that today in my shower. I was in my shower and I'm like, huh, wonder. And and you know, twenty four seven, we're launching our own streaming network, um, CBS. I I don't know. I think I think it's a really intriguing thought. And like I said, I thought of that too, just simply because CBS has a footprint with the SEC. Mm-hmm. Although I think ESPN is kind of trying to take that with their ESPN ABC family. And then you have, I mean, NBC really only had Notre Dame and army navy um so i don't really consider them huge players but if cbs wanted to make a jump so then you have fox kind of taking that big 10 you have Mm -hmm. espn abc taking the e or the sec there's a huge that whole west west coast footprint is Mm -hmm. is untouched so i think you have a good point and so you take cbs sports Mm -hmm. between cbs sports uh network and cbs main I, I think it's more. I I think it's more valuable if you could do a, a Big Twelve, Pac Twelve, because then you get some Midwest and Pac Pac Twelve. Um, otherwise, you know, the, the problem with the with the Pac Twelve is that there are not any of the bigger mid majors to grab, like there would be in the Midwest. I mean, you are you're pretty isolated. Um, I I would argue. I mean, Boise State doesn't move the needle. San Diego State. I think if you're going to just stay as a Pac-12, you need to grab like a San Diego State or a Fresno State to keep that um, Southern California footprint. But none of them move a needle. None of them um, are going to excite an advertiser. But if you're able to say, hey, we have. And I, and I, I hear this argument a little bit from from Beaver fans, like, why would we want it to be in the big, big 12? Big 12 is like, why do we want Stanford and Cal who can't even sell out a stadium? Because they're worried about the whole culture atmosphere um but i think if you keep it kind of west versus east have a big you could you could trade off your championship game from the dallas Texas, you know go to the the cowboy stadium one year and yep. rotate to sofi so you'd have and then you you get that texas footprint with the tcu texas tech you have some oklahoma in there you have kansas so you have some basketball schools you have some baseball schools I love that. Even if they're not huge football powerhouses, I, I just think from a competitive standpoint, I, I think it's it's very attractive. Yeah, and there's, I mean, I, I could go on with this this theory of, you know, CBS wanting to come in and set something up on, on this side of the country, you know, potentially um, the attractiveness of some of the markets, Seattle, um, if, if you get TCU, Texas Tech, you know, you get Dallas, Fort Worth, Baylor in, in Waco, you know, that's part of, you know, the, you know, they're, they're close enough to big cities there that, you know, the, you, you get those markets, San Antonio, Houston, um, Oklahoma City, even yeah. with, with Oklahoma State coming in, Kansas, you know, you get Kansas City, the Missouri area. So, I mean, there are big markets to yeah. be had. Unfortunately, most of them lie within the big 12 footprint right now. 
Um, but I think, again, I, I just go back to, I think the best case scenario of, of what unfolds here is the Pac-12 and Big 12 merge. You combine all of those markets. You have a really competitive conference, at least within its conference. I don't know if it's going to compete at the same level as the Big 10 and the SEC, but you at least have something that's attractive to media rights or that's attractive to media companies. So you're going to maintain revenue for your schools. You're going to have great competition from within. And, you know, every so often you're probably going to take down uh, one of the one of the powers in those big conferences. I think it's a really viable option moving forward. Uh, but on this topic, I want to touch on this comment from Chantry Star. Do you think Amazon wants to throw their hat in the ring? And I think so. We saw Apple, uh, you know, there was a report that Apple was back in the mix in the Big Ten negotiations that are going to be coming up. Um, Apple, you know, pulled out a while ago, but now that USC and UCLA are back in, now that the LA market is there, uh, Apple is reportedly interested in the Big Ten. So I, I think, you know, the 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 streaming networks and the streaming services and the streaming companies are going to be a big player this time around. Um, obviously, ESPN and Fox holding those rights currently, I think, have somewhat of an advantage. But obviously, Amazon and Apple have all sorts of money to throw around, and I think could, um, I think, could drive up the price, which obviously is good for everybody involved. Yeah, yeah, and I think. Um, wait, I was, uh, this comment from Stephen D. Though this is this is the big one because Oregon State and Washington State don't have a lot of leverage, and so. Um, if they're, if you're sitting there, they need to be aggressive. They need to be in the forefront of all conversation because if they get left behind, it's, it's uh, mountain West. Yeah. And that and is my, so, that is my fear, Carter. That is my, my fear. And that's probably, uh, again, to answer the earlier question, worst case is Oregon state and probably in that case of Washington state as well, both end up in the mountain West. It's, it's possible. It very much is possible if the Pac-12 completely dissolves, which I think at this point, you know, is about as likely as some of the other options, because a lot of the members of the current, what will be Pac-10, are looking to get out as well. I mean, we just had this report come out this morning that Oregon and Washington were confirmed among um, the, the schools looking to get out and move to the Big Ten. So obviously, there is the potential that a handful of other schools leave the conference footprint. In that case, I think, you know, Oregon State's knocking on the Big 12's door and saying, hey, can we please join you? And if not, then you're left with the Mountain West. Um, I I really don't want to dwell on the worst case scenario for too long, but because it is very much in play, let's just kind of hypothesize about what an Oregon State in the Mountain West would look like. So you mentioned earlier about $4 million in, in TV money coming in. Obviously, that's going to, I mean, that would destroy athletic department budgets at, at Oregon State and Washington State. But outside of that, Oregon State would probably have the best facilities in the Mountain West. Um, it would be competing with, you know, Colorado State has a brand new stadium as of a couple of years ago. But outside of that, you know, facilities wise, Oregon State would be right there at the top. The research stadium construction, all of the various projects that have gone on throughout the last about five years at this point, I think would position Oregon State pretty well there. But you know, what are you playing for if, if you're in the Mountain West? I, I think that is where a lot of the negativity arises. But Angie, I don't know, an, an Oregon State to the Mountain West situation, how do you see that playing out long term for Oregon State if that were to come to fruition? Horribly. I mean, I, I, I don't know any other way around it in that you have an athletic department, you know, budget of what, 75 million. And then with revenue, TV revenue coming in around 50 right now. Um, and if that TV revenue drops to four or five, catastrophic. I mean, that would be, um, I, I think programs would be cut. I think we lose some of the best coaches. Um, you're not going to see a Scott Ruick or a Mitch Canham stick around when they're in the Mountain West and they are getting calls to go elsewhere for way more money. Um, I, I think um, catastrophic is how I would see that. Yeah, this question from Shantry Star again. If we got sent to the Mountain West, how dominant could we be? Short term, very. Oregon State would pe would be positioned to dominate the pack or the the Mountain West in the short term. But to your point there, 
the lack of funding, I think, would catch up to Oregon State very quickly. And at that point, you know, you're probably seeing a few sports cut. You're probably seeing coaches leaving. Your talent pool is going to shrink dramatically. Um, and way down the road, Oregon State's no different from a Utah State or a Fresno State because at the end of the day, you know, Corvallis is not a big market. It's not a huge city. It's tough to recruit to. And I think, you know, one of the things that is keeping Oregon State afloat to the level that it is, is being a member of a Power Five conference. And so if you move outside of that and you lose the resources that you've been dependent upon for so many years now, um, you you see Oregon State kind of, um, you know, the ceiling at that point is is very low and the, the floor is only as high as, you know, being in the Mountain West, which obviously is still better than a big sky or, you know, dropping to FCS. Um, but no, I mean, a- athletics at Oregon State at that point would look nothing like they do right now. Yeah, that that right there is the worst case scenario is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and honestly, you know, Oregon State, they've just they've just got to this point where they're not competing with Mountain West schools right now for recruits. So now mm-hmm. they're actually competing with Washington State, Utah, you know, Colorado, Arizona for recruits. Well, I mean, look at today. And beating today. out USC, so now, Oregon, yes. Arizona. So now Nebraska. they're to a point where, and, and that's where Oregon State needs to be. They need to get the guys that they can develop, the high three stars that want to be in Corvallis and they can develop. And then every once in a while you grab, every, once a year you can try to grab one of those big four-star guys that can come in and really make an impact. That's where they need to be. And if you drop down to the Mountain West, like I said, I hate to be doom and gloom, but that's what I, that is my concern. That is my worry. Yeah, I mean, uh, I said I didn't <laughs> want to dwell on the the worst case scenario, and it's really depressing to think about. So let's let's shift gears here. We've got a few minutes left before we hit the hour mark, and I think we'll probably wrap up around there. But there's so much to talk about with this scenario, or with all of these various scenarios, because we don't know what's going to happen. But one thing I want to talk about here before we before we get out is the reaction from the schools and you know the the Pac-12 CEO group, the Pac-12 conference. Um, you know, all of their official announcements that have come out recently, what we read into those. So Oregon State Interim President Becky Johnson and Current Athletics Director Scott Barnes both came out with a statement yesterday. And I read into those as Oregon State very much wants the Pac-12 as it stands now to remain in existence and seek options, you know, with, you know, expansion or, or whatnot. But some of the other schools didn't mention the Pac-12. Some of the other other schools mentioned, you know, being in communication with other member schools and whatnot, but didn't necessarily say blatantly, you know, we want the Pac-12 to continue. And I think that's a little worrisome because a school like Arizona or Utah is probably going to be attractive to a conference outside of the Pac-12. I, I don't know how many of these statements you've read, Angie, um, from from the schools themselves or from the conference. Um, but the the one most recently that that came out this morning was the Pac-12 has gotten the go ahead from its CEO group to seek all expansion options, and I think that is exciting to hear because, you know, the, the Pac-12 as we know it, obviously is is uh, is not sustainable. So so the fact that they have gotten the go ahead right now to go ahead and start seeking these these options it's it's big but um angie have have you kind of read into any of these you know these statements that have come out well i, I, I think i think they're all just kind of just words but. yeah no i i think it's all just kind of words and they have to put something out um i th- from what i've heard they were all blindsided this the um athletic directors did not see this coming with ucla or usc so that when word hit yesterday they were just as surprised as we were um, so I think it's a scramble moment right now, but I, I don't read a lot into those just because I think they're all just kind of fluff and yeah. trying to put some fancy words out to kind of try to stop the bleeding a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be an intriguing time here the next couple months, just to kind of see what happens, what plays out the rumors that come up. Um, we'll be, we'll be covering it as we, as we hear stuff. 
yeah, I'll be working in the coming days on, uh, you know, how does this impact Oregon State type of piece? And, um, you know, I, we wanted to to get on this podcast and, and talk about this because this is the first time we've got a chance to, you know, go on record with our reaction to it. And I figured it's, you know, what what better way to do it than to pair it with some good news in Kelsey Howard committing today. So wanted to, you know, combine those two things and not seem all doom and gloom because I do think the future for Oregon State can be bright. Um, I, I think there is there are multiple ways this could play out that favor Oregon State. You know, Oregon State, as it stands right now, and in the, the short-term future, is not going to compete with an Alabama or, you know, a Georgia or anything like that. So the goal right now, I think, for Oregon State is to stay afloat, maintain somewhat of a status quo, and, and have something, you know, that it can work towards. Um, and I think the Pac-12 adding big schools or combining with the Big 12 offers that, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I agree. Um, whereas, you know, the Pac-12 folding or joining the Mountain West would would not. But I, I do think there is a way that Oregon State survives this. I think there are multiple ways Oregon State survives this. And while it might not compete at the highest level, it can compete at a level that, you know, it has for a long time. Um, but yeah, kind of kind of a weird time for this news to come out with Oregon State having such great momentum really across all sports. I mean, let's let's close the show with that, Angie, just talking about what Oregon State can bring to a Big 12 or to, you know, you, you shoot for the moon and, and say, what can it bring to a Big 10? What Oregon State offers as it's looking for a, a potential new home here. This year, Oregon State set a record for the amount of athletic teams that made the postseason. It got back to the postseason in football. You know, baseball has has been a, a powerhouse program for years now, three national championships since 2006. Um, men's basketball is coming off an Elite Eight run two years ago. Women's basketball is always a powerhouse. And then, you know, the Olympic sports have, have been successful as well. Softball obviously advanced to the Women's College World Series this year. So, the teams, you know, competitively, I think Oregon State offers a lot. It's just the one thing that holds its back is the lack of, you know, really um, moving the needle media-wise. But yeah, yeah, I mean, fourteen out of seventeen teams reached the postseason this year. Yeah. That's big. But as yeah. as I've talked about for for years, it it all comes down to one sport. And, and we're football. seeing that we're seeing that you know drive the bus right now. That's that's football the reason. Drives the bus. I, it's funny. I got in a conversation with someone just the other day about baseball and, and Beaver Blitz. And you know, we, while we cover baseball, we love baseball, um, basketball, basketball, and baseball don't sell subscriptions. They just don't. It's it's football. So mm-hmm. um, you know that's and that is a complete mirror of what happens in athletic departments too. So it is football. That is what yep. the TV revenue. Everything revolves around football. Uh, for good, bad, or indifferent. And Oregon State has been down, more or less, for the past 12, 10, 12 years. Um, and like like you said, the biggest driver is the fact that it's not a big TV market. Yeah. But the near future, I think, is still very bright for Oregon State. Um, I'm projecting that they get back to the postseason again this year. They're going to advance to, a, you know, they're going to qualify for a bowl game. I think they can compete for the Pac-12 North. And to recap what just happened about two hours ago here. Yes. One of the biggest commitments in Oregon State football history, four-star defensive end Kelsey Howard commits to Oregon State. That's the news of the day. It's not the news of the week, but it is the news of the day. Uh, And it's good news. So Oregon State fans out there listening, um, try to hold on to that. I, I think Oregon State can prove to be a very good football team over the next two years, which would make it attractive in 2024 when all of this goes down. But And like I said, it's, they're not done yet. So yeah. wait, wait, give me a couple more days and we have some more. And, and I'll just double check because it finally just updated Oregon State with the addition of Kelsey Howard now is up to 53rd in um, overall rank for recruiting rankings. It's progress. It's, you know, the question is, is it too little too late? We'll find out. I, I, th- I think Oregon State's positioned well for the short term, and it's anyone's guess what happens after that. But Angie, thanks for hopping on, on on short notice here after this commitment from Kelsey Howard and the news that broke yesterday about USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12. 
Thanks for everyone who joined us live on YouTube. Again, we we shattered our record for for most live viewers. Uh, thanks to everyone as well who listens on the on the podcast side, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, you name it, we're there. And this will go up live, or you know, not this this live broadcast will go up on the podcast side as soon as we're done here. So thanks to everyone for joining us for this emergency episode. Lots to talk about. We'll be back probably before too long because, you know, with the way things are moving, uh, Oregon State could have a new conference next week. Who knows? So, Angie, thanks for thanks for uh, joining me here. Thanks for everyone who listened, and we'll catch you again probably in the near future.